The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. A recent report into uh, human trafficking in this country suggests it often times flies under the radar in this country. It comes as more than 40 people were freed this month by police in Ontario as police in Edmonton search for a man wanted in a human trafficking investigation. And we've been just hearing in the newscast about R. Kelly and the investigation there. But what is it and how are victims being helped? We're joined by Amy Wilson from the Action Coalition on Human Trafficking based here in Edmonton. Welcome to the show, Amy. Thank you. You know, it's been a couple of years actually since um, I've talked human trafficking on this show and I'm not sure that things have gotten any better. It seems like the numbers are, are, um, you know, holding steady or getting worse. Maybe you can give us an idea of where we stand right now on human trafficking in Canada and in Alberta. Yeah, it's really hard to determine. Um, One of the reasons is that Human trafficking is something that really happens underground. A lot of the times people don't come forward because they're afraid. There's lots of coercion that happens. Um, The other piece is that there isn't a lot of consistent data collection across the country or even within Alberta. People have different definitions of what human trafficking is, and we don't have a really a central place where there's a lot of um, really consistent data being collected. So it, it is really hard to determine where we're at. I can talk a little bit about what we see in our organization. Um, we're definitely still seeing, um, as you mentioned, either um, more or or consistent referrals um, throughout the province of Alberta. Um, we see human trafficking happening in rural areas, mm. in mid-sized cities, as well as the major cities in our province. And we're seeing people who are, are um, trafficked both internationally. So there's a, there's a border being crossed, and we're also seeing people who are trafficked right within our own province or within their own town or city. And we see both um, people trafficked for the purposes of sexual exploitation and people trafficked for the purposes of labor exploitation. Well, Amy, there's a lot to take in there. Maybe we can just backtrack a little bit. You said there's, um, you know, not necessarily like a clear delineation of um, or um, a clear definition of what human trafficking is. What does the Action Coalition on Human Trafficking define human trafficking as? So we use the United Nations Um, protocol to define human trafficking. So according to that protocol, there are three elements to trafficking. So there's an action, and that's really that recruitment piece. How is that relationship started? And then there's the means, and that has to do with coercion. So there has to be some sort of um, coercion that's happening that's keeping that person in that situation. And then there's a purpose. So the purpose is what, what kind of exploitation. There needs to be some sort of exploitation in order for it to be considered trafficking. So is it for the purposes of sexual exploitation? Is it for the purposes of labor exploitation, which is what we would see most commonly, those two. How does it happen? Um, so there are differences often between what we would see in a typical labor trafficking case and what we would see in a typical um, sex trafficking case. So as I said, that that action, so there's always that recruitment that happens. Mm-hmm. Often with labor trafficking, what we see is... Um, 
there's a recruitment agency or somebody who's advertising positions online and people will, you know, see this opportunity to come to Canada and to work and, you know, they get a job that's going to pay quite a bit more. It looks like stable employment. It might lead to permanent residency. So people get excited and then they arrive here and discover that the the job isn't what was advertised. They might have... Um, that's when the coercion really starts to kick in. So sometimes their their um, documents are taken away from them. Mm. Sometimes there's other kinds of threats to keep them in that situation. Or sometimes they start working and it feels fine until they they um, are expected to get paid and, and they never see any of their money. And, mm. and um, so, so, so that's sort of how labor trafficking sometimes happens. Um, in terms of sex trafficking, it usually, again, it starts with a relationship. So quite often it's a person um, in a position of trust so it might be somebody who um, is an intimate partner or a family member or somebody that they that like I said that they know or trust and it starts with a a trusting and often loving relationship and then um, you know that person might shower gifts on the individual and um, and then it starts to turn and then they're starting to say oh you know you need to pay us back for these gifts sometimes drugs are introduced and and the person starts to struggle with some um, substance issues and substance abuse issues and then um, and then they're asked to start turning tricks sometimes there's an element of of blackmail there once they've they've done one or two they've been you know pictures are taken or they'll say I'm going to show your your back page ad to your family um, and and that's where the real coercion and threats and violence often starts to kick in one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you um, today was there was a, a news report um, this week that said that there were 43 victims of human trafficking freed this month by police in Ontario. The victims were mostly men from Mexico between the ages of 20 and 46. They were rescued following a lengthy investigation. Uh, they were allegedly made to live in squalid conditions and were forced to work for a cleaning company. So again, we talk about the labor exploitation on that front. Um, is it more often women than men that are in um that are uh, that are trafficked are that are being exploited this way or does it depend on what kind it is again whether it's labor or or sexual it really does depend on what kind it is so here you know like i said the, the data collection on human trafficking is patchy at best so it's hard to really talk about numbers we can really only talk about what we see here yeah. Um, in terms of our numbers, we see um, overall more women than men, but that's because we have, you know, that's putting the sex trafficking and labor trafficking pieces together. Yeah. Um, with labor tra- trafficking, we see both women, men and women who are affected. Um, and then with, with sex trafficking, we see primarily women. And even that, I think we need to question because, um, you know, we know that men particularly who are working in the sex trade are disproportionately vulnerable to this kind of um, human rights abuse and to violence and to um, being exposed to all, all manner of abuses. But because that population, there's, there's a lot more stigma and there's a mm-hmm. lot of, um, it's even more underground. So although we aren't seeing necessarily the, the 
male victims of sex trafficking. That doesn't mean that they don't exist. Um, it just means that it's not something that um, maybe is coming to light as, as often. So it is a really real common myth that most victims of human trafficking are female, but it is something that affects men as well. Amy Wilson, the executive director of the Action Coalition on Human Trafficking, joining us this afternoon. Um, the headline in this news article that I was referencing earlier is, uh, it says, modern day slavery, why human trafficking often flies under the radar in Canada. And I, I think by from what you're saying is that it often does fly under the radar. Why is it flying under the radar in Canada? And, and what do we need to do? And I'm guessing police forces uh, need to do to um, to change that tide. Well, there's a number of reasons why it, it flies under the radar. Um, first, you know, people don't expect human trafficking to happen here. When people think about human trafficking, they often think about really sensationalized um, stories coming from other parts of the world. And part of that sensationalization and some of these stories that happen, you know, in, in media, in movies, in, in other um, popular, popular culture, our understanding of human trafficking is um, very sensationalized. And the truth is that... Um, Actual cases of human trafficking often look very different. You know, I was talking earlier about the coercion and Mm -hmm. the things that traffickers do to coerce individuals into um, into their you know being able to control them. And it isn't often that they're being tied up or thrown into trunks of cars or things like that that we see on movies. Often the forms of coercion are a lot more subtle, and that person might be walking um, freely, you know, down down the road and you don't realize that that is a person who is being trafficked. So it doesn't look the way that we um, we think it should look, which is often why it gets missed. Um, the other piece is, like I said, it's, it's something that happens really underground because people are controlled and people are often afraid to come forward. Um, if it's a case of somebody... Um, not being from Canada, or even sometimes in in that case, people don't always know what their rights are. Mm-hmm. And so because of that coercion and because of the fear, it's really difficult for people who have been trafficked to come forward and to seek out help. So Amy, is there anything that, you know, everyday Edmontonians, everyday Albertans can, can watch for or, um, you know, just pay attention a little closer to um, in, in case we think someone needs help? There are definitely some indicators of trafficking and you know i say that with a caveat that it is really hard to Mm -hmm. identify it's most often um best identified after in 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 a situation where the individual trusts so um sometimes it takes multiple conversations to really Mm -hmm. find out what what's going on with this person and um what kind of supports that they might need so we do see some indicators for sure, you know, if somebody who um, seems to be under control from another person, somebody who's always accompanied by somebody else, somebody who um, is living in inhumane or unhygienic conditions and not being paid for their work. There's lots of indicators if, if we're aware. Um, again, I, I also caution people to intervene if the person isn't asking for help. Um, it's often better to make a report, for example, to Crime Stoppers or somebody like that um, or police because um, sometimes there's gang involvement or there might be other things that it makes it 
unsafe for for individuals to intervene. So, Amy, if that lo- person isn't asking for help. Lots of layers here. So, when someone is rescued or freed, um, what support does your organization provide to them? How how do you go from um, being in a situation like that, maybe being forced into work or sex or, or whatever it is, to um, living? Uh, so-called normal life. That's got to that's got to be a huge transition for um, the victims. Yeah, as you can imagine, often their needs are really complex, mm-hmm. and sometimes it takes an, a long time for people to um, be able to get out of those situations and kind of um, move on. As you said, so um, some of what we do is we really we coordinate support for individuals. So some. Sometimes um, they need, well, a a wide range. Sometimes those emergency pieces like shelter, Mm -hmm. access to food bank, things like that. Um, We also work with partners to um, support them with regularizing their immigration status. Um, If they are, you know, usually if if those are in the labor trafficking cases, they might need interpretation, they might need legal services. Um, So we support them also through, or we work with our partners to support them through um, accessing the legal justice system. Sometimes if there's a court case, sometimes things things get to court, sometimes things don't get that far. Um, But also a big chunk of um, what we would support them with is connecting them to psychological and emotional support. So quite often, you know, the trauma that's associated with being uh, abused in this way is quite significant. So um, that can be a big part of that recovery process. So you have a a fundraiser coming up. It's a gala. Tell us about that. Yeah, so on March 7th, it's at the Arts Barn. It's a a gala. So we have some live music. We have some um, local performers who will be playing some music there. We also will have some art. We have a a silent auction with with art that people can purchase. And then we will also have... um, a marketplace of artisans, of local artisans, and um, where people can purchase. Very nice. Where do people get tickets? Either on Eventbrite or on our website at actalberta.org. Amy Wilson, thanks for joining us this afternoon. I appreciate, uh, I appreciate you taking the time and I appreciate the work that you're doing in the community. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.